0: 68 milliseconds. That is the time it takes for the human brain to react. It's the time it takes for you and me when uh, put into a situation, uh, 68 milliseconds is the average time it takes for the human brain to react and respond to that situation, whether in a clenched fist or prayer of surrender whether uh, a complacent ear or an obedient heart, whether fear of the world or compassion for its people. You know, Jesus says in uh, the book of Luke, in chapter 6, verse 45, that the good man brings out good things out of the good stored up in his heart, while the evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. But the bottom line being that for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what goes in will come out for better or for worse as Jesus paints. Um, And so many of us have heard the saying, garbage in, garbage out, so garbage in, garbage out. But may you also know this saying out of Ephesians, uh, excuse me, Colossians 3.16 that says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so that it may come out. And so what is in you will come out. And the time that it takes uh, for you to get out of you, what's inside of you, 68 milliseconds. And so the question therefore, uh, for us today is, what then is inside of you? It's okay, Nate. I've got four. It's like white noise to me. So you're a good man. <laughs> You're in good company, and so as we ask this question of what's inside of us, therefore, based on what we want to come out, um, it really ties into the series we've been looking at and what we've been aiming to internalize in the good news, in the good news of Jesus Christ. Where over the last several weeks, we've taken what risks being left a uh, you could say a cliche church saying, um, something we've all heard: the good news of Jesus Christ. That as we think about that and maybe are asked to articulate it. It might feel a little vague. It might feel a little unclear uh, or maybe just something around church life. It's implied or implicit. And so what we've aimed to do over the last several weeks is to instead make what might be implied or implicit explicit, make it clear, make articulate the good news of Jesus Christ, recognizing that it is central. And we want to understand it is central to our Christian faith. And so... Uh, Understanding this good news, basically in a summation, and you can catch up on the last several weeks online if you've been unable to, but essentially the good news of Jesus Christ is that we are able to have a relationship with God through his work on the cross, as we just talked about in communion and prayer, we can have a relationship with God for all of eternity in heaven, but it also is actualized uh, to a large degree right here on earth, that we have a relationship with God right here on earth. And then specifically on Easter, we identified, looking at Jesus' parable of the sower, how each of us as individuals respond to this good news. We recognize that for some, it lands in good soil. And so for that, we respond favorably and we accept and receive and follow Jesus Christ in this good news in our lives. But for some of us, it lands in bad soil. And so we reject the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what we want to do, given that we've taken in this good news, assuming we have done that, is what then are the implications of this good news uh, of having it in our life? And yet, yes, again, we've said we have a relationship with God. We're reconciled to God for all of eternity. We also said it's for all the days of our life as well. So what do all the days of our life with that good news in it, what does that actually look like? And so next week specifically, we're going to look at how it is that we live that out. How we express this good news, both in the living of our lives and what we do, as well as what we say. And then today specifically, recognizing that we've got this good news in us, how do we then keep it in us? How do we keep it ever before us, uh, ever taking it in, recognizing that what goes in will come out? And so that's what we want to look at Today, specifically, that we might, as it says in Ephesians four, um, not remain as infants in the faith, not uh, remain as little seedlings, but that we would grow; that we would um, not be tossed back forth, uh, back and forth like waves, blown here and there by every wind and teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, but instead that we would grow; that the body of Christ, that we would be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge. Of the Son of God, who we might be become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so, given that goal, uh, in fact, in summary, you could say that's our church mission statement that we exist to become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we've recognized that we do that by growing and serving together. And we talked about that here in a recent series called All In What It Means to Be All In for Jesus and His Church as we want to grow to become more uh, closely devoted followers of Jesus Christ. But you could say that those are, um, I guess you could say the more outward or corporate uh, avenues to our growth in our devotion to Jesus Christ. And so we also re- want to recognize that uh, there's not just extroverted, um, outward expressions of that, but there's also maybe a more introverted side, a more uh, inward pouring into our hearts as well, more inward avenues of growth. That we want to fill our hearts with the goodness and the good news of Jesus Christ. As we fill our hearts, then that will naturally come out. And so, the two avenues I want to talk to you about today are simply this God's Word in Scripture and prayer. The Bible and prayer. These are the two avenues to which we grow in taking in the good news and the goodness of God that we might then have it come out. And so, recognizing there is no way that we can continue to grow this seed, continue to grow in the good news without these two things in our lives. What we want to do today is take a different approach to the sermon. It might feel a little different than what you're used to hearing in that we are gonna make this more of a a what to do and a how to, uh, kind of a nuts and bolts, how to get into scripture, how to get into prayer in your life, or maybe more importantly, as Jesus paints, how do we get scripture into us and prayer into us that out of the overflow of our hearts, we might then live our lives. And so I'd encourage you, maybe if you are a note taker, to take notes. And uh, if you're not a note taker, take notes. As really the goal of today is going to be very, very practical in giving you some tools and some resources uh, that when you walk out of here, you can hopefully begin to implement this stuff more in your lives, Uh, recognizing all spectrums of who's in the room today. Uh, Maybe you've grown up in church your entire life or you've been a follower of Christ for a long time. Uh, Well, I recognize that for many of you, uh, because me included, I work at the church and this is a struggle for me, uh, that sometimes we get away from these essential foundations in our faith of taking in God's word and prayer. And so hopefully today there might be some refreshing ideas or tips or tricks that can help you kind of maybe revive that if need be in your life, because I'm always on the hunt for those myself. Or maybe. Uh, this is kind of new to you or new to you again as uh, maybe you're here with us on Easter and you're wanting to to explore what God might might want to do in watering that seed and and growing that in your life. And so uh, the tools and some of the things we're going to mention today will help you begin to grow in that in your life as well. And So this should be uh, for everybody. And so Uh, recognizing that while we don't have kind of one singular passage, which we tend to work out to, this is all going to be based on Scripture, recognizing first and foremost, as we get into God's Word, uh, based on God's Word, that all Scripture, as it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, is God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired by God and authoritative for us in these matters. And so... As we aim to take in this good news more into our lives that we might then express it and it might come out of us, we're going to first look at the Bible. We're going to look at what we call word intake and how we can take in God's word into our hearts so that then out of the overflow of that we might live. And so, that we can get a better grasp on God's word today, we're going to use the illustration of a hand to help us kind of walk through these ways in which we can take God's word in. And uh, this uh, teaching illustration actually comes from uh, the uh, spiritual life pastor up at Eastview Christian Church, just up the road in Bloomington, J.K. Jones, and I found it incredibly helpful, and trust it'll be helpful to you as well. As we uh, kind of aim to actually use each finger as kind of a point in what we want to learn and how to take in God's word. And so uh, I actually had like a hand uh, image that I grabbed that I actually had on the screen, but I started where it looked like Thing from the Adams Family. Just kept creeping me out. So, uh, we all have hands today. We'll just use our own hands to illustrate and let uh, that work itself. So, okay. The first finger in grasping God's word more in our lives and the good news of God is to first read. To read God's word. Revelation 1 3 says, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Now, if this were a game show, a family feud, anyone familiar with this great thing of the past and now with like 17 different hosts uh, over the years? If this were family feud and I were to ask you, okay, how do we take in God's word? I would bet you that the number one response of those surveyed would be, duh, read it. And the reason we do that is because it's a book. In fact, the word Bible literally means book. And so as we think, how do we take in books? We naturally do that By reading it. And so, to help you with that, one thing, uh, something we usually invite you to do at the beginning of the sermon, but kind of more appropriately to where we're at now, Um, if you don't have a Bible of your own, you'll notice there's one like this in the pew rack in front of you, and we'd invite you to take that uh, as our gift from us to you to begin actually implementing this, to begin actually reading uh, this book, the Bible, God's Word to us. But even as I invite you to take this um, large book. Uh, You know, we live in a world that um, frankly didn't even exist just 10 years ago for many of us. Uh, And that is the world of the digital book, the Kindles, the Nooks, the tablets, and even just our phones. That the reality is, is we can take this large book just about anywhere we want to go through the digital opportunities that we have. And so uh, an application that we consistently and constantly recommend around here is Uversion. Uh, you version is a online. digital. you can access it on your computer or on your smart devices or whatever. And um, I've looked at lots of free and paid kind of Bible applications, and this, in my opinion, is by far the best as far as just getting into Scripture and some of the other kind of tools it offers. And so, uh, just kind of a fun fact: this particular one, and I think Pastor Wayne's mentioned this, is actually developed by a guy who was born and raised in Decatur. It was actually in David Tools' uh, youth group. Who he's a Uh, worship leader he was on stage the elder in our church so anyway fun fact for those who like fun facts for those who don't let's move on (laughs) and so okay so say you've got this big book and or even got your little downloaded uh, application there view version the question then is where do you start I mean that's kind of the trouble we get do you just start from the beginning and try to read your way through and uh, maybe you've tried that and you become an expert in Genesis but can't get much farther with the new Bible reading plans. And so one of the things that specifically Version offers are dozens, if not hundreds, of reading plans. Uh, and so you can access those on the web or on the little application there. And even if you don't like reading on a digital format, you're just like, I gotta have the pages, I'd still encourage this as a resource to get a reading plan because if you're gonna begin to read Scripture You're gonna need a reading plan, something to help you get through. And so the reading plans that they offer uh, are wide and varied. Everything from, say, you have, you would honestly say, you know, right now I'm doing no minutes a day, and you want to start at a minute a day. There's reading plans for that. Or maybe you have 30 minutes a day that you want to get into God's Word. Or maybe your attention span over a duration of time is limited. So you just want a five-day Reading plan. They've got those, and they've got reading plans that last up to two years. And so I'd encourage you to check those out, click around, and find something that will help you, again, get into God's Word, or more importantly, get God's Word into you. Okay. All right. So obviously, we all know we can read God's Word, but secondly, you can also hear God's Word. Our second finger, you can hear God's Word. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing and that is hearing the good news about Christ. And so you can't get more specific to what we're talking about today than the good news of Jesus Christ through the hearing of God's word. And so um, I know a lot of you, because I've, I've talked to you about these things as well, uh, you listen to maybe uh, audiobooks, whether through like an Audible account or you buy books on CD or books on tape or things like that. And I would suspect that, uh, or podcasts, I know a lot of people kind of put in the earbuds and do those. Now, I would suspect many of you over the years have maybe even purchased uh, to the same end, maybe um, audio Bible CDs or tapes or downloads or things like that. Well, to help you in maybe hearing God's Word, something you may or may not know, uh, the YouVersion application actually offers um, those downloaded audio Bibles that are typically uh, you have to pay for, they offer it for free. And so if you go to the little application there, you'll see that's a snapshot of my phone. There's a little speaker at the bottom on several of the translations. You click on it, and then it kind of opens up and just hit play. And there you see, in two minutes and 21 seconds, you could listen to 2 Timothy chapter three. And most of the chapters in scripture can be read to you in about two to five minutes. And so the reason I point this out is because maybe for you, reading is just not your thing, or you've just always had trouble wanting to do that. And so maybe listening is a better avenue. And with that, Think about, just think about how much word intake you could get in your life, say, just on your, if you have one, a commute to work alone. Think about how much you could get in just a few minutes, chapters, um, or maybe, you know, when you run or whatever it is you do, just think about how much word intake we could get by listening to it um, if reading it is a challenge, okay? So um, you can obviously read it, you can hear it, and the next way that you can get God's Word into you further, is thirdly, to study it, to study God's Word. Acts 17, 11 says, uh, talking about the early church, that they received the message with great eagerness, and so the seeds on fertile soil, but then they examined the Scriptures every day. They studied them. And so we see uh, study here um, is really the opportunity to to take what might be a broader stroke of reading or hearing God's word, and then take often maybe a smaller portion of that, a smaller section, and kind of dive deeper into it, both in just not just understanding, but also then you can more appropriately apply it to your life uh, in a way that comes from the fruit specifically of studying it. And uh, so again, to help you with that, I'll direct you to uh, a resource list that actually our own Pastor John put together on the website, uh, the church website. So just go into Resources, click on Personal Study Resources, and uh, you'll get that awesome studly picture of Pastor John (laughs) standing all proud in front of his books. (laughs) John, you don't have to illustrate. It's already up there. (laughs) We see it's all right. All right. And among those resources, you'll see... um, an NIV study Bible, uh, so just a good study Bible is a great place to start. And the NIV study Bible specifically is kind of already a recent classic. And so that's a good place to start. Um, but also, again, the U version deal. You'd think I was trying to sell you something if it wasn't a free app. But uh, on the U version, they actually have a translation, uh, the New English translation or the Net Bible which was designed primarily for a digital platform in that it has over 60,000 uh, interpreter's notes embedded right into the translation itself. And so here's another snapshot of that on the phone. You'll see those little like, kind of like, talking bubble things. And so you click on that, and then just a passage we looked at, Scripture's god breathe." It expands on what that means by Scripture and all that, and it talks about how it's in the Greek and all this stuff. And so now with this, you, too, can be as cool as us preacher folks when we say, "Well, in the Greek, you know it, and so. You'll have to accept my very loose definition of "cool" um, with that, of course. <laughs> but if you got that, then you're home free, so All right. But in the end, I directly most you uh, to that resource list that Pastor John put together. There's lots of great ways to, to begin to study scripture more in your life. OK, then from there. Uh, to more deeply grasp God's word in your life. Fourthly, and so I start with my thumb, and I can't do this. I'm gonna hold my pinky down. It's like the Spock thing. It's just hard for me, so I'm gonna hold that there. Uh, Fourthly, no one cares. That's okay. (laughs) The fourth way that you can get God's word more into you is through meditation. Meditation. Uh, Psalm 1 says this. Blessed is the one Whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it day and night. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And so, this passage is speaking that by taking and meditating on God's word, you take it in, and then on the out is the fruit and the leaf that does not wither. And so, kind of this in and out language again. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first see that word meditation or meditate, my brain kind of goes somewhere else. It kind of jumps to kind of this like Eastern religious idea of kind of like sitting cross-legged, maybe like levitating slightly above the ground, talking to rainbows. I don't know. Um, That's what meditation brings in my brain. I'm not sure what it does for you. But uh, please know that Christian biblical meditation uh, is far different than that imagery that we get from Eastern, uh, some Eastern religions, and that uh, what they emphasize in kind of Eastern understanding is that uh, you want to supposedly empty yourself or detach yourself from the world around you. And so it's kind of this therapeutic, imaginary escape of sorts. But know this, this is not Christian biblical meditation. In fact, biblically speaking, is actually quite dangerous in that Jesus warns, That In Luke chapter 11, that if you are to empty one's mind of an unclean spirit, that you are then leaving the mind open in its vacancy, in its emptiness, to quote Jesus, to go and find seven other spirits more wicked than itself to go and live there. And Jesus says that the final condition of that person then is far worse than the first. And so I know what I'm, man, meditation, bad, good, or in between, it wasn't on like 90% of your alls radars anyway. But I did want to bring this up for those of you who maybe have kind of been exposed to some things and maybe not caught the kind of the danger in some of that, maybe through like if you're into yoga and stuff like that, some of that stuff can be a little off. And so please understand the difference between that meditation and biblical Christian meditation, which instead of detaching oneself from their physical reality, recognizes that in, um, in Christ, we want to instead not detach, but attach. We want to attach ourselves to God through his word. So is that making sense? Do you see the difference? In that we want to more deeply grasp God's word by filling our minds with that uh, by meditating on it. Okay, so what does that even mean? What does it actually mean to meditate? In fact, I might even would want to change that word to really just simply put a synonym, think on it. That's all it means. It means simply thinking about it, dwelling on it, and you might even say prayerfully uh, dwelling on it. It's going to help me understand this, and it might help you. It's kind of a gross illustration, but it helps. Um, Do you know what it means for a cow to chew its cud? Yes? I mean, you all good Midwest folk. You know what this stuff is. Okay, okay. well, if you don't, uh, essentially the way that a cow eats and digests its food is it literally chews the grass up, it, uh, or whatever it's eaten, and it swallows it, then regurgitates it. Um, acid reflux is a good thing for cows, apparently. Uh, regurgitates it, chews it again, swallows it, repeat, repeat, repeat until they can digest it. Let's go to lunch. Again, as odd as that illustration is, that's really what we wanna do when we meditate on scripture. We wanna kinda, we kinda wanna mull it over, we kinda wanna dwell on it, think on it, ruminate on it, ponder it, and consider over and over the implications for us and for our lives. And so, um, basically what you wanna do, as as, um, you might say, you begin a reading plan. So this is how it looks like practically. Uh, Maybe you're reading or hearing a large portion of scripture, Chances are, out of a whole chapter of Scripture, the whole thing's not going to kind of grab you or or grab your attention or or really stand out to you. But the way the Holy Spirit works, something will. Something will. And so this is the opportunity to kind of ask God, okay, God, what out of this are you wanting to reveal to me, to show me, to teach me? And so as you do that, you'll notice that while the whole chapter might not stand out, a verse will, or maybe even just a word or two will. And so as that kind of jumps off at the page, uh, that's what you want to maybe meditate on, to think on, uh, both there in that kind of moment of quiet, but also you can then carry that smaller portion with you throughout the day and kind of continue to think about it throughout the day. And so a couple of of verses to help you get started, um, say, you know, before you get to the reading plan, just some passages that have been helpful to me uh, that might be helpful to you in this idea of kind of dwelling on and meditating and carrying with us uh, the scripture in this way. Uh, a few, Psalm one, which says that the Lord is my shepherd, and so I shall not be in want, and that the Lord takes care of us. Psalm one, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Then Matthew 11.28, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so those are a few uh, verses to get you started on that. then from there, once you've uh, slowed down from your reading and your hearing to maybe study and meditate on smaller portions of scripture, then naturally, fifthly, what you'll want to do is internalize it. You will want to memorize it. You'll want to memorize scripture. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so this is pretty on point to our 68 millisecond response reality that when you encounter Scripture that you want to carry in your heart beyond just that initial reading, commit it to memory. Commit it to memory. And by the way, uh, just kind of a big asterisk to this, if uh, if you can verbatim, you know, quote, uh, a scripture verse with every comma, every article, every the, the, and now, along with the chapter, the verse, and um, you know, even the translation it comes from or whatever, uh, that's really not the point. Um, it's, it's not a spelling bee, if that makes sense. And, and the reason I bring this up is because I've had countless conversations with many of you, actually, who said, you know what? Scripture memorization, just not my thing. You're kind of thrown in the towel because of this idea that you can't get it all Just right, And so a better understanding of what it means and what this verse is getting at it and what it means to memorize Scripture, really I'll take you back one finger to this idea of the meditating and that when you dwell on Scripture, when you uh, meditate and think on and kind of carry it with you throughout a day, you more naturally then internalize it. You will have, having done that, just found that you, oh, by the way, you've memorized it. And so while the highest number of kind of book, chapter, and verse – it's not a contest. You know, you're not trying to get it all just right. But the goal of memorizing and putting it in your heart is just is to internalize it, to own it, to have it with you. Again, so that in your life, in all of your days, in your moments, in all those 68 millisecond opportunities, it might then more naturally come out. And that as it comes out, lastly, the way that we interact and grasp God's word is by obeying it obeying it. Now, some of you can count, and you're like, that's six fingers, and you feel the need to say, my name is Indigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. Princess Bride, 17, 18 of us, I think, knew that line. Okay, six-fingered man, Princess Bride, watch it. It's a classic, it's good. Actually, it's not the six finger, but instead, when it comes to obeying God's word, when it comes to grasping God's word, that really is, you could say, the palm of the hand. That is the center of what it is. In, as it says in John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them is the one who loves me. You see, this is the bottom line. This is, you could say, the end game of all the other fingers. This is the goal, that we might, in the end, it might actually change our lives, that it might impact the way we live, that it might, as it goes in, actually come out. James, in his letter, says, uh, to this exact point, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. He goes on, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says says, It's like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Um, I do this all the time, actually. I'm a little ADD, and so uh, I'll, like this morning, I can't remember if I combed my hair or not, so anyone else? Still no one cares. Okay, (laughs) verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, it gives freedom. And whoever continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so this is so important because we don't do word intake. We don't take in God's word just for the sake of taking in God's word. We take in God's word so that it then might come out in obedience. In fact, our speaker uh, from the Intentional Church Conference yesterday said, said it best, I think, in saying, in our churches, we don't have an information problem. He said we have an obedience problem in that the word intake is not just for information but for transformation. And so to illustrate how grasping God's word in all of these ways impacts the way we live our life, I need uh, just a quick volunteer um, who would be willing to come up. Volunteer. Jason, you wanna Volunteer. That's what you call being voluntold. (laughs) Slight difference. (laughs) Oh, Jason was taking good notes. He's got to put his notes down. All right. Jason, I'm going to hold on to this Bible here with a couple of fingers, and I want you to take it out of my hand. Okay. Not too difficult. I'm a weakling. All right. Um, Now... I'm going to grasp this Bible with all five of my fingers and my palm, and I want you to try and take it out of my hand. Okay, a little more difficult. Let's give Jason a little round of applause for his time. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. You get the point. That when we grasp all of God's word into our hearts, into our lives, and more naturally, it's going to be harder. The only way you're going to get it out of us is hopefully out of the overflow of our hearts. And so hopefully those tools will help you in in grasping God's word more in your life that as it goes in, it might also come out. And then the second side of this whole equation of how we're gonna take uh, this good news of Jesus Christ more into our lives is uh, not just through word intake, but also through prayer. And um, we don't have, and I promise, I'm not gonna do a whole nother teaching on prayer. Uh, We don't uh, have the time for it, but real quick, uh, prayer, uh, we add that word relationship. And that's really important because prayer when we kind of go to default mode, unfortunately becomes only uh, kind of a list of requests sometimes, uh, where kind of we treat God as Santa Claus and we bring him our Christmas list and the things he wants to give us, which there's certainly plenty of space in prayer, don't misunderstand, to bring our requests to God, uh, to bring our petitions uh, to God, we might say. But know this, that that is out of a relationship. It's out of an active relationship uh, with the God of the universe that yes, is fully realized one day in heaven, but is alive right here and right now on the earth. And so to kind of help us with this, recognize we're not gonna do all this teaching, uh, one teaching I'll give you is probably the one that's been most helpful to me, comes from Richard Foster, who's kind of, if there's a such thing as a prayer guru, he's kind of it. And uh, he simply states this, the way you learn to pray is by praying. He says the best way to learn to pray is to just start praying in that for me, I don't know if this is your issue, but uh, left to my own devices, I might go read five books on prayer before I actually took five minutes to actually pray. And so in light of that, we're just going to, instead of spend a bunch of time teaching on it specifically today, we're gonna close our time actually praying. And uh, to help us along a little bit in that, uh, we're gonna go to this giver of good news, Jesus Christ himself, where in Luke 11, the original 12 disciples asked Jesus, uh, hey, would you teach us to pray? And so now we are to his disciples, his followers. And so we can echo that request and say, okay, Lord, teach us to pray. And the response Jesus gives both to his disciples originally and now us is what we call the Lord's Prayer. And so while you can certainly pray the Lord's Prayer kind of word for word, as we certainly value and do each week and mean it uh, and the whole bit, you can also take each point of the Lord's Prayer and kind of give some space to it and actually expound on that prayer a little bit in expressing those prayers to God, And so in the same way, we might say that's our other hand, that as you go through the Lord's Prayer, you'll notice there's uh, actually six points to his prayer. And um, you could say that the palm, in this case, the center, is the top there, that the way the prayer starts is we start with not requests, but we start with who God is, hallowed or holy be your name. And so out of the overflow of who God is and his relationship with us, then we bring him our request, our request based on that relationship. Make sense? So again, um, you could certainly use this uh, in home, in your own home, but also uh, we're going to put it into practice a little bit right here together. And so uh, we're going to give you here just a few minutes of silence, and we're going to put some prompts on the screen that'll walk through each six of those kind of prayer points of the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we're going to keep it pretty simple. It's actually going to be quiet and silent. Um, I mean, it'd be cool, like, We could have the piano player come out, but I don't know about you. At my house, I don't have every time I go to pray to God this eruption of my own personal piano playing uh, prayer theme music. You might have that, but a lot of us don't. So Um, we're just gonna embrace the silence here and um, and as an encouragement that you too can embrace the silence in your own life as, uh, again, you begin to both take in God's word and take in prayer. That these two hands come together. You will grow in owning and taking in the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives so that it too then will flow out. And so with that, I'll start us and then give you the silence and the prayer prompts to pray yourselves and then I'll close us. So let's pray together. Lord, hear our prayer. Would you stand with me? And let me pray for us uh, in this as we go. Father, we, you know, for many of us, this silence is the loudest thing in our lives because it's so foreign. And so we would ask that you would help us and, and guide us into finding that time and that place that um, we can take in your word and grow in our relationship with you uh, by learning to pray, by actually praying. That we might, as we looked at in James, uh, as we've learned from your word today, not uh, walk away from it unchanged as if looking at ourselves in the mirror and forgetting what we look like, but instead after looking into your word and the implications of looking into your word more and in prayer more, May we continue in it, not forgetting what we have heard, but actually doing it. uh, For this, you assure us, uh, will bless us. And so would you help us in this, in the name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. As you go, Colossians 3.16. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that as Jesus says in Matthew 6, out of the overflow of your heart, then, you might live. If you're a guest with us today, uh, again, we'd love the chance to meet you up front. Otherwise, uh, have a great day. You're dismissed.